And even once the show started, we weren't clear, are we going to get engaged? Are we supposed to uh, propose at the end? And then you start rolling on. It's like you see you're in the, the, the guy's house and there's a sign called Fatherhood. And then, so we're still trying to figure everything out. So as you were discovering what the show was about, so were we, real time. You are such a You're such a catch. Hey, girl. Hey, welcome back to You're Such a Catch. I'm Erin. If you're new to the YSC community, I'm so glad you swiped right. I'm sure we're a match, and I hope this is the start of a successful LTR. I'm here every Tuesday chatting about dating and relationships, and God knows what other shenanigans I'm getting into, even in COVID times. But this is your chance to have a diary-esque view into my life. And you don't even need to pick the lock to my diary, okay? No key necessary. I am an open book. And as you'll hear today, I'm also pretty darn awkward (laughs) without even trying, you guys. Without even trying. Uh, Today is the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving, which means it is Giving Tuesday. You're Such a Catch is an independent podcast funded and run solely by me, moi. If you're looking for a way to give back, there are a few ways you can help a sister out. You can like, subscribe, and follow my journey on social media or whatever podcast player you're tuning in on. You can also rate the podcast and drop a review, five stars, just like I'm your Uber driver. Or if you're feeling a little generous and you'd like to make a monetary donation, you can hop on over to www.yoursuchacatch.com backslash unfiltered and make a pledge. All the money earned is used to produce and edit this podcast. A shout out to my YSC girl gang and guy tribe. You know who you are. Veronica, Keeks, Katie, Dion, Karen, Angel, and Wayne. You know I love and appreciate you. You guys, they have some backstory to today's episode. They got to hear how Stuart left me on red. And then thank God for Katie. She helped me retract that gym because... uh, (laughs) You and I both know that technology is not my jam. So you're probably wondering, why am I disclosing all my dirty laundry? Uh, But of course, you know, I had to tell Stuart what I did. (laughs) You guys, this is me. This is me. This is what I do. Ah, so awkward. But you know, he deserved to know and have a good laugh with me. And oh, we had plenty of laughs. So my intentions originally of having Stuart on were to dish about labor of love, which we did. So for those of you who might need a little refresher. I've talked about labor of love several times on the pod, but maybe you're not as dedicated to reality TV as I am. (laughs) I'm pretty dedicated. Uh, Labor of Love was a show on Fox that aired during COVID, like the beginning of COVID, where 15 men vowed for the heart of Christy Katzman. Remember her? She was on The Bachelor. But not only were these guys vowing to win her over, they were also agreeing if they made it to the end to start a family with her. So if you haven't watched, maybe you'll get a chance to binge it during our next lockdown. I know, hopefully that doesn't happen, but I feel like it's going to. It's such a cute show. It's similar to like The Bachelorette, but it has a little bit of an older demographic. It's obviously centered around parenthood, hence labor, (laughs) labor of love. Oh, and I would be remiss without saying the host is our girl, Charlotte Kristen Davis. 
And I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but I know we kind of talk about it. So Stuart does make it to the final two, but sadly he doesn't get chosen. Um, Or not sadly, actually. I mean, you know, that wasn't his plan. That wasn't in the cards for him. It wasn't what was supposed to happen. The universe has bigger things for Stuart. So, but Stuart was America's sweetheart. And... A good reminder for me that there are good guys out there and good guys out there in LA. Hello. That was like, for me, I was like, wait a minute, where are all these men hiding who are in their forties, who are ready to like get married and have a kid? Like, oh, they're not on Bumble. They're not on Hinge. Well, maybe they are, but anyways, you know, it was a good reminder. And I think A.A. Ron would concur. So if you're tuning in for the first time, A.A. Ron is my gay husband. Uh, he's been on several episodes and he has a pretty strong presence on your such a catch, but I think he'd concur that there's been a, a unicorn sighting here. So, and to my girls, ah, I can't even say their names without smiling. This is hilarious. My like smile is like ear to ear. To my girls, Heather and Nicole, aka Chainsaw. No, 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 no. But that's a terrible chainsaw. No, 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 no. This one is for you. I really love that idea and that concept. There is such a need for that. So many of these guys are young. They get drafted. They make a shit ton of money, you know, overnight. And then, you know, their career is short. So for 10 years, I was part of helping athletes get bigger, better, stronger, so they could renew their contract, extend their career. Or like the pre-draft players, we used to, the draft, let's say the, the combine has maybe like 300, 330 invites a year. The former company, Exos, used to average about 130, 140 of those players. So almost half the players we would train for NFL getting ready to be drafted. And then you would start seeing these kids come in and they live the dream and they just want to be a pro and they're, they, they're making what is traditionally should be life-altering, life-changing, family-tree-supporting wealth. The average NFL career is two and a half to three years long. By year four, they're filing bankruptcy. Year five, they're divorced. So within five years, now we're talking about you're 27 years old, you no longer are married, you no longer have a career, you have no money, you lose all your support system. So we kind of, you know, for, so for 10 years, I helped athletes work on their physical fitness. So mm-hmm. I started saying, well, how can we help on the financial fitness? It's the same sort of principles. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Do you primarily focus on football or any athlete out there? And let me ask you this. So doing this, like, why don't you take it a step further and be an agent and sign these guys? That's your next step. Well, no, it's not the next step, right? Because the agent is is adhered to one, two, 40 athletes in, in his or her stable, right? So what I took is, so we're all sports. So we're, we're athletes and entertainers and high net worth individuals. And that's what Brandon Car Wealth does. And so we teach two basic lessons. One, the important time a financial plan. Secondarily, how to build your team around you. So if I'm an agent, I am just helping a, a player do some contract negotiation and so on and so forth. But an athlete needs a CPA, needs a uh, fiduciary financial investment manager. You need somebody to help you with your real estate, your estate planning. If you want to do trusts, if you want to start a nonprofit because you want to give back, if you're, you want to start doing football camps. So you need this whole team around you where the agent is just kind of one person. And so mm-hmm. that's what Magna Carta Wealth is. We kind of sit above the top. If the athlete is the GM, the owner of the team, we're kind of the GM and help you build your special teams around your support staff. But we evolved 
and realized that everybody needs this sort of thing. So in 2020, in January, we started a, a company called Evolutions App. So taking the same principles Magna Carta, but making it scalable and digital in an app format and take it to the world. Most people say, oh, I do my taxes on TurboTax. I'm like, that's great. You file your taxes in March and April, but really it's 12 months of stuff. And now you just like, you've already 12 months of mistakes and you file on TurboTax and it's done. So if you have a good CPA, you actually have a proactive tax plan. Or people who are first-time home buyers go to Zillow and say, I, I'll get the listing agent. I fall, I fell in love with this house. But no, we help you find the agent that's going to really be a dog in the trenches for you and fight for you. Same thing with estate planning and so on and so forth. So Magna Carta Wealth is for athletes and entertainers and very white glove concierge service evolutions. You download the app on the iOS or Android store and you get the same services. Mm, that's cool. That's very cool. I love that concept. Yeah, so do I. Don't like it, it work. <laughs> it's going to work. It's working, right? No, it is. It is. So, so Magna Carta has been around for about two years. And then while on the show is when the idea for making it go for the everyday man. So, and that's where the um, evolution that evolved. And we spent last, the latter half of 2019 developing the beta of the app. And we launched the beta of the app mid January of 2020 as well as our capital raise. And then this little thing called COVID hit. So it kind of slowed us down. We did a little pivot shift, but we're still rolling along. Mm, yeah. Writing stuff on whiteboards and going. Oh my God. I do love me a whiteboard. I, I see an NFL up there. Well, Nike. Can you, well, this is like proprietary information. <laughs> you gonna put your hood on? Dang, dang. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't let Ooh. you look behind me, you'll actually, laugh. Actually there's a word called Nike up there. So there it, I I well, yeah, that's competing with the Magna Carta brand right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with yeah. that logo. Hey, oh my god whatever, whatever brand wants to write the biggest check we're good so uh-huh. yeah is that what you do is you, you do strategic partnerships yeah you know and the reason for that is just to get the voice out right so if you're a startup you're only as good as the person next to you and then strategic partnership getting the, the word out i for one i believe in what we're trying to solve which is financial literacy especially now with the pandemic and if there's any sort of distribution channel podcast like yourself where we can are you, you going to help a sister out yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you I, hope, I, hope I can get you one or two more likes. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not chasing likes. I don't know what I'm doing over here, but I'm not chasing likes. I feel like you are probably a better planner. Are you a planner? I like the plan. I do enjoy a good plan. Okay. I feel like you're you're a little bit more strategic and probably like a better executor. Like, got to go here check that off. Got to go here. Check that off. And I am a little bit like, and then I'm like, check, check, check. But, and I get it done, but, but I don't have the, the know-how. And since I stalked you today, I know a lot about you and I know you have your MBA and I'm like, maybe a sister should have freaking gone and got her MBA. Well, I didn't get my MBA till, well, first of all, plan, like there's nothing better than having a great plan, but also you, you plan your work, but you also have to work your plan. I think a lot of people have great plans and they never actually work their plan. And you have to have the, the business discipline, just discipline in general to stick to the plan. As soon as it's not working, ah, I quit the 30, 60, 90 day plan. Of course, there's check-ins, which work your plan. But no, I didn't get my MBA to date myself. Probably I went back to school for my MBA in 2007. So I actually was a college dropout, technically. I, I went to the Ohio State University 
And I think my senior year, I withdrew to train for the Olympics. So in 1999, I withdrew from classes to train for the Pan American Games. Made the Pan American Games team. And it was my first senior national team. And then I took third place in my first international competition. Took third place. I'm like, great. Six months later, was going to be Olympic trials. I'm like, let's just keep this thing rolling. The next thing you know, I'm training for the 2000 Olympics. I, I, I moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado Olympic Training Center for another quad for 2004 Olympics. And lo and behold, it's 2005. I'm like, ah, I actually never graduated college. So I went back to school. I think I had probably like two or three quarters just because now we're like seven years later and you know sure. all the things didn't transfer. And I was living in Los Angeles. So I graduated from Cal State Los Angeles. My heart is still with Ohio State. I'm a Buckeye. You're a Buckeye? I, you know, I, was, I was there for four years, just didn't finish. But then I went to Cal State LA, graduated, and then got my MBA. So kind of there was a gap. So I graduated high school in 95, didn't technically graduate college until 2007, then my MBA in 2009. I would bet you wouldn't trade that for the world. Like you had that experience and like nobody says you have to graduate high school, go straight into college and get it all done in four and all that. I mean, that I think is those societal norms that we kind of grow up thinking and believing that we have to kind of adhere and know like your path is your path. But that is so cool. I mean, and I love that you didn't give up and you stuck with it and you you made it work. You did. Now I recognize my path as my path, but I remember the one, one of the greatest honors of my life was trying to be an Olympic level athlete. There's nothing, there's no better incentive than having a medal put around your neck, seeing a flag being raised in the national anthem because of your achievement. But at the same point in time, as an Olympian, we deal in quads. So I said in 99, I put my life on hold to train for the Olympics. That didn't go so well. Okay, let me go all in. And so I put my life on hold for another four more years, trained for the 2004 Olympics. So in 2004, it was after 2004, it was like 2005, do I want to keep going? Or do I want to put my life on hold for another four years? And what was happening, I would go back home to Ohio, you know, for Thanksgiving or Christmas or the holidays and meet up with my friends. And I felt like I was falling behind because they were all, they had all graduated college. They were all talking about getting a job and promotions or the new car, they bought a house, some were getting married. And, and I'm thinking like, oh, I'm just traveling the world, kicking people in the face. Just traveling the world. I mean, no big deal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But in my head, all my friends were like talking about, oh, I've got a promotion or my boss. This. I'm like, well, I don't have a boss. I'm thinking I'm falling behind. So I, when I retired, well, the first thing is when I retired, it was 05 and I was fighting more for a lifestyle. I remember thinking in 2005, if I make the world championship team, it's not interesting, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I remember thinking, if I make the world championship team, all my sponsors will renew me for another quad. The USOC will start paying me again for another quad. I could basically maintain my life. And I was like, I'm not fighting because I love it anymore. I'm fighting for a lifestyle. But now looking back, like, and it only took me probably like two or three years to catch up to where my friends were anyway, because I, I, I approached my business career the same way as an athlete, just all in. So falling behind, not falling behind, but. I'm very fortunate today. I'm on my fifth passport. I got to travel the world for free on somebody else's dime and then started, you know, worked. I ran the international division for another company. So I traveled the world on somebody else's dime. There's no better way to travel than on somebody else's yeah, dime. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, I traveled within the United States on somebody else's dime, but <laughs> not okay. a lot internationally. <laughs> <laughs> and now any travel seems so far off in the distance. But do you think that? 
you having that experience and then like you kind of also checking in with your friends and and the status of where they were in their lives, that's kind of what led you to want to be on a show like Labor of Love. You know what I mean? Because like in my mind, what a a terrible transition. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, (laughs) because here's my thoughts, Stuart, and I have to spit this out sooner than later because I don't want to forget it, but there are so many women out here who are really good catches, hence you're such a catch, and we are in LA, and we are looking for men like the men that were on that TV show, you know what I mean? And, and, And so I think there was this like little phenomenon of my girlfriends and I texting each other going, where the hell are these guys on Hinge or Bumble? Or And I will say, I just saw Keith on okay. Hinge. I, did. I was like, oh, oh. Did you swipe? Did you- um, I don't think he is my jam. Okay. Okay. I mean, do you want to tell me more? <laughs> okay. Physically, probably yes. Like the attraction, like the aesthetic, probably yes. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good box to check. Some characteristics that were portrayed on the show. And again, you and I have talked about this off air, but edits are a thing. So I don't know. Maybe I should maybe I should give them a shot. I don't know. But yeah, it was I looked and I was like, oh, but also I don't want to make that determination. If he wasn't on the show and I didn't know who he was, I probably still would have gone left. Really? Mm -hmm. So then based off the comments he made on his profile. Correct. Mm -hmm. And the and the picture selection. Oh, pictures are are crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about the pictures. I want to know this from the male perspective. Tell me. I'm all ears. Should I take notes? So, so well, that's how I was discovered on Labor Love on Hinge, actually. Wait, yeah, really? Like a, a Hinge ad. So I was on Hinge, and I, I, you know, matched with a young lady. And our first conversation was like, "Hey, I'm actually not interested in you. I am a casting director for a reality television show. Would you ever do a reality television show?" said no she's like oh you're perfect i'm like mm-hmm. and i'm like you're selling me and i was like are you sure you're not interested in me? she's like no i'm really not interested i'm like are you really really sure because i <laughs> it, it, it could be like one of those tests like i want to see if this guy is here to find love or to find me i'm like are you sure she's like no okay so i'm like so that's how so hinge was kind of my recruiting tool but i had a, i have a whole back in the day so i'm not on the dating apps anymore but i had a whole hinge efficacy sort of process like, really you know, tell me oh yeah i want to know it all that was by far my my favorite app in a sense because you could control your interaction. So I could, as opposed to liking your entire profile, I could respond to a comment. I could respond to an individual photo. So the photos are, are crucial, right? So from mm-hmm. my side, you could tell me this. I never, ever liked any sort of photo with a lot of skin or a swimsuit because I figured that was a trap. Because mm-hmm. if I if mm-hmm. I if I liked you in a swimsuit, you're gonna say this guy's only after one thing, even though you posted it. Right. But that's why we do post it to get my attention or to get me to like it, and you think I'm only after one thing. Yeah, to weed to weed out certain people. See, that's, a, that's <laughs> I'm not that's, saying that's, I do. That's, my profile is pretty PG. Oh, oh, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I, I, I've seen just your podcast, like, headers, and there's some roses, there's some well-placed eggplants, maybe, <laughs> there's, I, I saw a leather jacket, and I didn't see much of anything else. There's a rosé bottle there. I missed the rosé bottle. <laughs> <laughs> typical dude, typical dude. <laughs> I'm bad. just trying to get a strategic partnership, too. Okay. 
I think we should keep on going. <laughs> oh my god! No, this is fascinating to me though. Okay, so you're on Hinge. You you don't find love. You get kind of sidetracked because this nice lady reaches out to you and wants you to be on a TV show. And the the initial thoughts were no. Then you oblige and say yes. I said no like three or four times. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, like, so I was in the car business. You got to overcome the objection six times. So good for her for keeping going. Yeah. She's a good hire. Yeah. So, and then what does it look like? Then it's like, boom, you get selected, you agree. And now you give up your life to go film. Yeah, pretty much. I can only speak from my experience. We just started off like a bang. Like what you saw is how we started. Like I'm in the car, I'm getting out the car. And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of dudes. I'm like, okay. And you just go. I'm like, okay. He's cool. He's not cool. He's tall. He's taller than me. Hold up. How's that fair? <laughs> I saw Keith. I'm like, well, I ain't the only black guy. There goes that. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then Kristen Davis came out. And at first, I was like, oh, was that her? Oh, did you oh, think God. it was her? Oh, my I'm God. Like, I was like, okay. I get Charlotte, I guess. And then she's the host. So we really didn't have a lot of back. It wasn't like the other shows. Because there was no history to Labor of Love. It was literally the mm -hmm. first run so i have a suspicion that everybody who goes on the bachelor bachelorette have, have watched and been fans they know the process so for us the guys we were still trying to figure out the show and even mm -hmm. once the show started we weren't clear if it was going to be are we going to get engaged or we're we supposed to you know propose at the end and then you start rolling on it's like you see you're in the, the, the guy's house and there's a sign called fatherhood and then christy's um house right next door so you're thinking well, is it like a co-parenting thing? It's like, hey, <laughs> just go across and borrow the eggs. Like, so we're still trying to figure everything out. So as you were discovering what the show was about, so were we, real time. Dang, that's so crazy. So, I mean, obviously you were like America's favorite. I was even reading back through some of the comments today and everybody was Team Stewart. So I want to get into that. But first I want to talk about, so the very first episode, you have to produce a sample. Mm -hmm. And what was that like? I mean, what were your initial thoughts? Like, I feel like that would be super awkward. You think? <laughs> like, well, I'm not a dude, so I don't know. I mean, it's a little, like, it's very different as, as a female. But, like, even as a dude, I'm like, I don't know. That's How is it very different as a female? Do you, do you think guys naturally in groups of 15 just... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's maybe more of a like natural act. I don't know. I mean, because wow. if you <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> okay. okay, should did I retract that? Did, did, did you snort? I'm a snorter. I'm a snorter. Oh, okay, that's good. Oh, I do. I do. My brother actually tells me all the time if I quit snorting, I would get a boyfriend. No, be yourself. <laughs> First of all, you want you want to find somebody that makes you want to snort even more. That is true. I yeah. I do want that. I love to laugh. I am a laugher. I am a loud laugher. I am a talk with my hands type of person. I went on three dates with a young lady, and she didn't laugh one time. And I'm a funny dude. Like, Are you sure? I, oh, I am. <laughs> sure. Like, three dates. I'm like hitting her with stuff. I'm coming with and like. I'm like, dang. And, but we had great stimulating conversations, so on and so forth, but there was never a laugh. I'm like, All of a sudden, you have, like, your own stand-up track. You're like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I was hitting with the best hits. I've been practicing. This is going to be... I'm like, dang. All your one-liners. 
<laughs> oh my god. What was their problem? I guess me. Oh my god, no. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I just got through saying you're America's sweetheart. My God. But I appreciate that, but I also got an equal amount of people sliding into my DMs or my comments like I am team Trent or I am team Kyle and you're this and that. So one man's sweetheart is another man's sour tart. That's interesting. I'm surprised that you had some of those comments come through there. So for people who are listening who haven't seen the show, essentially 15 men, am I right, went on to basically not only win over Christy's heart, but basically agreed to become a parent with her, right? And yeah. and that's why you gave the sample, and that's why you went on these dates. And I did think, like, some of the dates were a little bit cheesy, like the one with the bear. Okay, that was a little cheese for me. Why are you giving that face? Why are you raising those brows? Hey, listen, I haven't had a wax in a while, so <laughs> they raised their own. A wind came through and just flipped them up. <laughs> I'm going to send my so girl to your house. <laughs> you recognize what the dates represent? Did you catch that? I did catch that. I did. And then obviously, like, I think one of the dates that stood out to me the most was like when you guys had to pretend as if you were giving labor and you were partnered up. And I thought that was interesting, too, to see not only when you had the contraption on you and you were experiencing the labor pains. I handled but it like a boss. You did. You did. Yeah. I think Chris even said something to you like, well, maybe Stuart can just have the baby. Did she say, she said something like that. She was like, maybe he can just give birth. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know how. So, so like, as we talk about like things that women talk about and things that men talk about or do, like, I feel like even women don't really tell each other like the ins and outs of childbirth or, or like maybe, or maybe you have to reach like a certain part of your friendship or (laughs) it's an age thing I don't know because this year I learned some things that I kind of wish I didn't know which made me go like oh maybe a surrogate is a good idea because you're talking about the number of women that poo on themselves I was not talking about that oh okay oh how do you know this they taught you that no they didn't teach me that but with listen as you stated I'm a planner so I went all you are a planner so part of the, part of the, the I, I was paired up with Marcus. So there was a part where I, I was strapped to the stem machine. So I had a, the labor pain stimulated, which caveat, by no means is a stem equal labor pains, true labor pains. So I only got a little touch of it. So I'm not trying to say I could give birth. I can't. And shan't. Don't want to. But the flip side was I got to soothe Marcus and learning his communication style and whatnot. But with that being said, being a planner, I started doing my investigation. Actually, what goes on in the labor room? Do I have a choice, like to be in the room or not? Can I be up or down? And so on and so forth. But because you're in pain and you're just all of your efforts are pushing in the lower region, when you're pushing in the lower region, you can't necessarily control what you're pushing and what you're not pushing. Mm-hmm. So it's commonplace. Were you doing this research? While you were there, like, could you guys have your phones and stuff? Could you interact? No, we were, with, oh, we were cut off. And that was part of the beauty of the show was the fact that it, for me, it represented dating as I am now. So at the time, I think when I said yes, I was 39, filmed at 40 or something. I was like, four, whatever, just, but the point is that when you're in your late 30s, early 40s, the conversations I have on dates are all the stuff you were taught never to talk about. Like, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to talk about. Do you want to have kids? Do you want to get married on the first date? But now, late 30s, early 40s, these are conversations I have. So it was an extension of dating. And the fact of the matter is all 15 men and, and Christy 
have all expressed they want this, but they focus on their careers. And so it speeds up the timeline. So if you and I met in our 20s, we could just like, hey, she's hot. Oh, let's hang out. Then we're a little bit later. Oh, I actually want to spend some more time with her. Now it's like, do I want to build a life with her? Can I build a life with her? And that life meaning now. That's why the show is what it is. It's kind of like the expedited, the expedited timeline of a relationship and being a, a parent. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the show is going to get picked up for a second season? So that's beyond me. In my little bubble, like my family said they loved it. Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I would say that I am almost surprised that they didn't approach you like they do on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette when there is a second runner-up or first runner-up or whatever you call it. I was number two in the country once, so I feel your pain. But I'm almost surprised they didn't approach you and say, hey, what if we did it the opposite way? If you know your Bachelor history, I think The Bachelor had multiple seasons before they did The Bachelorette, right? So that was kind of a new venture. And... If the show is called, the premise of the show is called Labor of Love, and unfortunately, like women, because of nature, eggs, and so on and so forth, there's actually a biological timeline. It gets hard. You can have children later on in life, but there's more technology involved. So I don't necessarily know if there's that pull. Like, I very much want to have a family. I very much want to be an amazing husband. I very much want to be an outstanding father. But in terms of grasping the show, I'm not fighting this like eternal clock. Maybe more so, here's a man that is ready versus here's a woman that has already frozen her eggs and she's going to do this on her own. She wants to do it with a partner, but she's ready to do it on her own if she can't find the right man. Whereas me, it's kind of like, I think the pull would be, I don't know, a guy and some women who are fertile. <laughs> well, it could be like the Dachelor. I saw that like comparison and I thought that was cute. Yeah. I've had some interesting DMs. I, I've, uh, a woman that you can, I'll donate my womb to you. Like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. I know. Like, okay. What? Cool. What else? Tell me more. Because, <laughs> I, I sent you a really cringy DM too. Do tell. You wanna? You wanna speak on it? Like it's put out there. Oh, I've already told them. They all know. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, okay. So I have, I have, you're such a catch unfiltered, which is like a platform for people who believe and listen and tune in and, and want to support me. So they make a pledge and then I have kind of some different content for them to listen to. So those people get it all. And they heard that. And do you know that when I wrote that multiple choice question, I left out the option C. Do you even know what my DM was? Well, obviously we're here. No, 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 not the, not the, not the DM that you responded to. There was a DM Wait, that I said. I'm confused now. Hold on. Yeah. I sent you a very, very cringeworthy DM. Can you tell me now? <laughs> Do I you really like want to know? Yeah. Oh my God. From a ghost account? Like you sent me a, a burner account? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I sent it straight from my account. All my listeners, he may just hang up on me in a minute. Okay. Actually, I wonder if I deleted it because I will find it. I'm not going to have okay. it necessarily like accessible because I think I did delete it because it was really cringy after I read it. But essentially, I wrote you this message, like a little bit like fangirling and like, you know, um, saying how I liked you on this season. And then I basically gave you a multiple choice in which I was like something to the fact like, you know, pick a, B, but I left out C. You went just straight, you went just straight to D? I went D. 
and then I went E. I gave okay. you an E, which was all of the above. And then you left me on red for like, oh, Lord, help us. It was a long process. There was there were several weeks that went by where you just didn't respond. And then when I reread that message back, I thought, mm, maybe you should have just led with like, hi, hi Stuart. It's Erin. Yeah. <laughs> nice to Hello. meet you. You know, uh, a well-placed emoji. Like, that's, that's, that would have worked. Okay. That's good. <laughs> but instead, you know, I'm I'm used to being awkward and it's fine. I own yeah, it. That's good. I own it. But I will find it. I will I will send it to you because you'll get a good laugh. Please and then you can tell me that. you can tell me which which option you would have which, chosen. Yeah, probably. Oh, see. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> you know? See, I choose C. He's ghosted me already. Oh, my God. No, it was, like, super funny. And so, yeah, so I've had several discussions about this. And then I had to figure, like, Stuart, it is very hard to learn how to delete a message that you sent to somebody because, obviously, I was able to do it. But thank you to my friend Katie who showed I, me how. Here's the thing. Like, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. So I, I had to direct messages in the comments. To be honest, I kind of had to like whitewash them all because there were a lot of negatives. And so for me, I had to say, you know, well, yeah. Like there were times like he only talked about two or three things on his date. Well, the date was like three hours, but you get it down to like, you know, seven minutes. Or there were comments like he's this or he's not that or so on and so forth. So I remember thinking like, well, crap, if I only saw a 30 second flip, I would think I'm a jerk too. Or negative and i had to tell myself i'm like well these people don't really know who i am they're not my family not my close friends so the hate or the negative negativity coming my way it's not true and authentic but at the same point in time if that was my approach for the negative i had to do the same thing for the positive so the people mm -hmm. that say hey oh my gosh i love you you're amazing i want to give you my womb they only know me for they only know me for seven minutes or 30 <laughs> seconds so i also couldn't like to be authentic to myself if i say the the bad stuff they don't really know me. I'd say the, the, the good stuff too. They don't really know me. So mm -hmm. that's why my family and friends. And so like, there's probably, I'm saying so a lot, my family and friends, or I had coworkers I haven't talked to like for 10, 15 years or high school people would come back. Hey, you're still being the same Stuart. So from that standpoint, I was true to myself. So those kind of comments meant the most to me. And then the, mm -hmm. the peripheral stuff, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Did you ever think about, I don't know if you want to call it like fame or just being recognized, having these people who you don't know, but they feel like they know you because they have watched you on TV. Did you ever kind of consider that before going into the process? I had lots of concerns, actually. So first and foremost, I realized that it wasn't just my decision. When I was leaning towards yes, I talked to my mom about it because, you know, I'm going on, you know, national television and talking about my life, which is directly affects my family. So I sought her guidance. I talked to my business partner because, again, I'm going on a show and it directly affects you know, our business and so on and so forth. So I kind of had a small group of like five people. I kept it really tight. And we're talking about really tight. Like my family, like my niece and my, my cousins, then I was doing the show. So when it came out, they're like, what? Huh? You did this? You were where? My mom, my grandma was on the show. My, grand, my mom had actually seek my grandmother out like why can't we get a hold of mamo oh she's on a trip with debbie like where is she on a trip so like that kind of stuff so like, really the circle is tight and my business partners half of them were like do the show 
any press is good press. And the other half is like, no, don't do it because you don't know unless you, and again, not knowing the premise of the show, unless you quote unquote won, the producers aren't behold to make you look good. So they could like give you a bad edit. So it's kind of up in the air. So ultimately it's my decision. And the reality was I knew I'm going to always be true to myself. So I don't curse anyway. I don't necessarily have outlandish character. I'm not necessarily super confrontational. So I'm not going to, go wild and crazy but with an edit there's times i'm like that was like a 20 minute speech i gave and you only use chose like three or four words to post but in terms of fame no it was more so i was actually more worried about at the time i'm 40 years old and i haven't been able to find the one special person for me my partner my teammate other i was more concerned if it didn't work out whoever the leading lady was that there was going to be more noise and confusion coming in. You know, it, you know, most guys are like, oh, yeah, just all these women sliding in my DMs. But for me, I was like, no, I really want to hone in on myself, who I want to be for myself, who I want to be for the love of my life and my family, and then find my partner. And if Christy wasn't the one for me, I was like, crap. I was really concerned about there's going to be a lot more noise coming my way. I got some guidance from the producers. I expressed this. And they said, the truth is, if you're an actor on the show, if you're an actor in television, people fall in love with that character you play. So they, they, they love that character, but not who the actor is or the actress. But in this case, I was just being myself. So they implored me and said, hey, if it doesn't work out with Christy, really try to embrace people approaching you and stuff like that. Because they have spent eight weeks being seeing yourself. So that kind of like, okay, that makes sense. But I was actually more worried about losing and then getting confused by all the people who hit me up. Which is like an interesting way to put it. And I put it that way too, like losing. But but like at the end of the day, she has to pick who she connects with more, right? Or she feels like she can see a future with. And she chose Kyle. And I mean, obviously it didn't work out. But I watched back the episode where it would have been like the equivalent to like the bachelor hometown dates where she came to LA. So she's in Chicago, right? I mean, I know she left to kind of pursue things with Kyle in, in Texas, but she came to LA and you take her to this beautiful house and basically paint a picture of what her life could be. I don't know one woman that would be like, oh, this isn't for me. Like, that was shocking to me. So walk me through that. Whose house is that? Where did that come from? Was that your idea or? First of all, hometown. So I thought I was going to Ohio at first. I'm like, oh, you're about to meet oh. your family. And I was like, oh, mom, like, you got to get your hair cut. Like, <laughs> you know, like, make sure you're down town. Oh, so hometown where you would live, LA. And I, I, I realized I probably, at that time, it's, you know, Austin and Cincinnati were the other two hometowns. And so LA, we could have gone. And I was thinking we need to go to the beach and then just like have a nice little walk on the beach. I love doing that. I like walk on the strand. You get to look out the ocean and see the houses, the mansions, and just talk. Or I really just didn't want it to be LA. I didn't want to show the glitz and the glamour. You could just like, wow, just overwhelm LA. Cause LA, I'm an Ohio boy, but LA is, you know, a little bit different than Cincinnati. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? true. So, but I always think, okay, I'm going to show her my place where I live and give her, you know, here's what my life is like now. And then, but really, it wasn't about making her conform to my life. It was kind of like, let's build a life together. And there's nothing better than like going to an empty space and how you can create. 
and, and the producers were, you know, were helpful to find a, a nice house and that we could actually just talk about what it looks like. And then, and also to see how she took to it. If it was all about the house, mm-hmm. like, Oh, like money, like it's all about the house or like, you know, she made a comment. Like, I could see the kids coming down the steps. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, versus that she was just like, Oh, the pool's not big enough. I'm like, mm-hmm. But no, it really allows us to be comfortable and you can create together. And that was the whole point. Like I, my hope is that when the time comes, I'm perfect, whole and complete. That she's perfect, whole, and complete. We don't. We're great on our own, but we come together. We're just amazing. And can we create together? And that was what the, the point of the house date was. Mm. Did, was your date in LA more than just that? And and we only got to see kind of that aspect. Those were two moments. There was my place, and then the date, but they were just longer. And at what point did you did you ever have a gut feeling that you weren't going to be the man at the end? It's hard. The reality is people will say that how can you fall in love? How can you catch emotions in such a short period of time? But imagine, so I was there for eight weeks. And spoiler, if you haven't watched it, I went to the very end. You know, imagine being there for eight weeks and all you're thinking about is getting to know this woman. And my, all my thoughts were at the very beginning is like, hey, I want to get noticed. So I can, don't want to get cut the first day because you, you don't have an opportunity to shine. So, you know, the first couple of weeks of just getting her to know my name, getting noticed by this woman. And then you start going through the process. Like, I really like, you know, getting to know her. I really like who I'm becoming because I'm going through the challenges myself. And then on top of that, you have all distractions of life taken away. So there's no TV, there's no music, there's no phone. I'm not doing work and all these things. So for eight weeks, everything was about getting to know Christy, getting to know Christy and myself together, getting to know me as the man who I want to be. And so in that whole emotion, like you're in your sequestered. So it's all about that. So if you, if I did anything for eight weeks and nothing else, you're going to get really good at it or you're going to fall for it. You're going to get entrenched in it. And that's what it was. I now almost two years later, when I watched the show, you could see that she and Kyle had a connection. Mm -hmm. So you did watch the whole show back. I did. You did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was that like for you? interesting uh-huh elaborate <laughs> you're young with crick i'm like dang like is that how i walk or is that what my voice sounds like was that the look i should have chose but you always think about hey if i could be i looked at it as a as amazing gift because you always think about if i could be a almost a bird on the, on the tree or in the corner on the wall but you never get to see how you interact with situations so i got to see how i interact in stressful, stressful situations i got to see how i am on a date like, am I really mm-hmm. present? Am I am I talking over her? Am I being? Am I listening? And so that was great. It was a great learning, and just it was it was fun. And it was kind of cool to see yourself on TV. I'm not gonna lie, that was kind of cool to see myself on TV. <laughs> so you didn't know that it was going to be Christy. Did you know her from The Bachelor when she was on? No, you had no idea. None of the guys knew, right? So we didn't know until after the show aired. That she had done the Bachelor. Before. Oh, really? Not well, not yeah. even Marcus, because Marcus was on Survivor. Did you know yeah, that? That that didn't come out either. Well, I know now, but no, that didn't come out either. We we went in blind and and whatnot. Oh, and like you weren't having discussions with these guys. Like he never he never said. Oh, by the way, no, no. we had discussions, but he never once said he was on the Survivor. Really interesting. Experience reality television person well not that experience because he had his mom on and that was wild (laughs) that was the nail in his coffin poor thing i was like oh 
Yeah. Wowzer. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I want to know, like, what advice can you give the ladies out here? I know you said you're off the apps right now, but do you think that the apps work? Where are the men who are share that same mindset as you have? Like, where are they hiding? Because my girlfriends and I talk about this every week and where are the good men at? Because they're not at the bar. They're not on Tinder. Maybe they're on Hinge. Maybe they're on Bumble. If you swipe long enough or you, you pay for the membership, but like, where are they? Well, I hate to break it to you, but me and my fellows talk about the same thing. Like where are all these good women at? Where are they hiding? So I have a love-hate relationship with the apps. So when I first got on, it was because my ability to meet somebody is only in the presence wherever I'm at right now. So if I had a bar, there's 100 people, 50 of them are women. There's 50 women I can talk to. I'm not going to introduce myself to all 50 because I'm the creepy dude going from 39 to 40 and whatnot. So, and then also then with the app, you can be, you can filter it out a little bit. Height or location. I was living downtown. I remember I matched with a girl in Santa Monica and she's like, I don't do long distance relationships. I was like, ha ha. She's like, no, I'm being for real. I'm like, oh, wow. Uh-huh. So you can be a little bit more discriminant that way, but then you, the app doesn't, you can check all the boxes off the list, but there's still like chemistry and connection. That's where we're meeting it in person. So that's why I was on the app. It's like, I was allowed, I was able to kind of search and broaden my horizons past my, past my you know immediate network right here. And I was working a lot at the time, so I wasn't being social, but I found myself going on an amazing day with an amazing woman. And on the way home in the Uber home, just swiping again, not because she wasn't amazing, just because it was habit. It, oh, was, it just mm-hmm. became just part of my thing. So you put work, you put a personal life in terms of just like my own self-care, self-love. And then you put dating. I probably went on some amazing dates with some amazing women, but I didn't spend enough time with them to let them, one, for me to be able to recognize how special they were or if you're on the app and you keep matching and matching, that great conversation gets pushed down. And so I never mm-hmm. saw that somebody left out option C in their message. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I had to pull myself off of dating apps just for that reason. Now you ask me right now doing because of COVID and pandemic, I think that's kind of all we have because how are you going to meet people? You're not going to be social. When you do go to a restaurant, you're at your own table with your three or four group of people. There's no longer let's walk into the bar and I bump into a young lady or I'm lying at the bathroom or so on and so forth. So I think an app is very useful, but for me, I'm also a very bad texter. So I, my suggestion is whatever your filter is, change it, have your girlfriend or your best friend do the, do the app for you, your profile for you, because subconsciously you're probably going to go down the same path that you feel comfortable with. And that comfort level is the stuff that hasn't been working for you. Like we get comfortable with what used to make us uncomfortable. If you say I have a history of guys being jerks to me, well, you probably skew towards a jerk because that's familiar to you where you, you know, the guy is super nice and loving you and stuff like that. You don't recognize anymore. There must be something false with him or something, something wrong with him, which really your point of thumb back yourself is something wrong with me. And I know this guy does for my own self. So I would suggest actually to have somebody else manage your app for you. Swipe and message? Yeah, because not start the conversation say, hey, Aaron, give this guy a chance. Not ghost type and for you and have the conversation. Okay. But like, like, Aaron, here's one. I want you to actually give this guy a shot and go on a date with him. 
So I have to tell you, so one episode that I did in season one, I, I have a gay husband. His name is A.A. Ron. Everybody knows him. He's fabulous. He's married to a man. And his husband knows about me. So it's all good. I mean. Is his husband named Balake? A.A. Ron and Balake? Yeah. D-nice. Um, no. His husband is Josh, and he's just as fabulous. I just met Aaron first and peed on my territory and was like, he's mine. Gotcha. He's mine forever. Um, yeah. He is. He is mine forever. And if I could clone that man into a straight man with a little darker skin, then, oh, my God, we'd be in business. In business. So he took over my dating app. He took over my hinge. And we did. It was a couple weeks long. And it was so nice because I will tell you the pressure of like things that you're saying, like just responding. And like, he would come up with these witty one-liners to like open it up. And and he talked just like me. And he took this job as if it was like life or death, huh? And he was so great about it. But we learned really quickly that the hard part was when somebody wanted to actually physically meet up, it was hard then for him to communicate to me and be the middleman and like get us together. So we'd have to kind of like give me their phone number and da da da. But I actually went on a date with one of the guys and I mean it wasn't a terrible experience or whatever, but I think there's some truth to what you're saying and and definitely I think I'll give that another try. I would think a cleaner transition, right? So I would think have your your team curate your profile as they see you, right? Because we're our worst critics. I don't see them I don't look good in this or I don't talk like this or that little short description of yourself. No. Let your friends who love you the most, and they're gonna they're gonna highlight your 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 beautifulness inside and out, and then let them also filter out the other guys and the duds, and say these three guys I want you to have a conversation with. You know, otherwise you're just swiping and you're in your head like, can I bring him home to mom at dinner time or what? He's too tall, he's too short, all these things. No, these people are like, I like this person. And the same thing I, for years, I never let my friends hook me up, and the fear was because. 42 and single means all my relationships have ended at some point in time they've all ended and i didn't want to risk losing a friendship because a relationship ended making it awkward so i was like it's just better not that my friends hook me up with people but then i started mm-hmm. realizing my friends know me the best they actually mm-hmm. probably know me better because they see me just like being on a television show i got to watch i got to see myself i i think i handled the situation well you watch the tv eh, maybe i did it same thing my friends can see how i interact with other people and women and past relationships so you know that's how i would view it but don't have them do all the conversations no matter how great aaa run is because then you're gonna have to like what that joke you told me no just have them curate and then send you on the date mm-hmm. okay i like it i'm gonna try it i'm gonna give it a shot all right so what's next for you just still living that ceo life just out there you know when do you get back on the apps when do you you know oh. and I know it's exhausting. It's exhausting, huh? Would would you hire a matchmaker? I would be open to it for all those same reasons, right? Just like I just talked about. So one of the, one of the revelations on the show is that in my life, anything I've ever wanted, I worked really hard for. So to be an athlete, I moved to the Olympic Training Center, be around the best coaches and stuff like that. In schooling, I had tutors, or I just went. To, I got my master's from Pepperdine because it was a great school. That kind of thing. Even in business, I have business coaches and I have a, my own personal board of directors that I go to. And then where it comes to love, I just figured, oh, she's just going to come along. And then I'm just going to be able to recognize that she's so amazing. And then if it happened to find the most amazing person, I'm also assumed that I'm going to be emotionally available. 
and my EQ score is going to be high and I'm going to be able to know how to talk to her and recognize. And so I was like, I really need to work on myself. So I have been doing, I took a break from dating, went in, had some fails last year, took another break and I'm trying. There's all these things that never quit or quitting is not an option. First of all, quitting is the easiest option. You can always quit, but I'm not going to quit on love. I'm not going to quit on myself because I'm not in a relationship right now. I'm still dedicated to making myself better. So, you know, it's men's mental health awareness. I'm proud to admit I go to therapy every day and we talk about anything from COVID to Black Lives Matter to my job, to my love life, to what I'm feeling in the moment. And I'm still, I'm not, I'm not done. And if a matchmaker is in the future for me, then it is. Oh, I love that. I mean, I think I learned that lesson too, because I'm not a quitter either. I shared with you and my listeners know that I am, I'm divorced and that was hard for me because I didn't quit, nor did I want to fail at anything. And it took me a very long time and it took me also a lot of therapy to understand that it was a learning experience and it was part of my journey and I'm resilient and I can bounce back and I can learn from that. And I wouldn't be the person I am today without that experience, which which, you know, is is huge and it means something to me now. But the hardest part I think about relationships is unlike anything else you want to attain in life, you can't put in extra hours or you can't control the situation like you can in a business sense, right? Like I can't manipulate, like you don't mm-hmm. want to. I mean, I guess you could, but you yeah. don't want to like, and so many other factors like you just mentioned come into play, like timing and and where you are in your own life. And sometimes we get like really great opportunities career-wise and it sounds like you've had quite a few. And as you were traveling all around the world, I mean, as luck have it, maybe you could have met somebody or maybe you were so focused on what you were doing that you were kind of blind to those opportunities. So it it is just really wild, but that is exactly why I love a freaking good love story because they're right. all different and you never know where they're going to happen. And that's True. what keeps us going. That little glimmer of hope. At least that's what keeps me going. So same way. Timing was the hardest one for me to recognize. Just like you, I try to think my way through everything and in a relationship. You can't put KPIs and metrics and whatnot. And I was a typical guy. I assume well, it was me, the, the, the issue, the relationships weren't working, but I assume it was more of a fact it wasn't my focus. So once, you know, I was done with athlete and then college and career, I was like, okay, as soon as I turn on, now I'm ready to be in a relationship, it's just going to happen. But no, there's somebody else that has to fall in love and have to be on the same path and our timing. And it's a challenge. It's just, it's, it's, it's tough out there. But the thing is, now we're going to do the memes, but if it were easy, it wouldn't be worth it. And, the fact that it's challenging is the reason why I'm still single, but the fact that it's challenging is the reason why I want to be single until I find the right person for me, because that's what love and special happens. Because like the Christie and Kyle and Connection, same thing. Like You can check all the boxes. If it were just that easy, I could have been married a long time ago, because I could say, she's this tall, she looks like this, this job is kind of family. But there's that unknown factor that what makes them special and special for me. And then I like to think the woman I end up with has all the most amazing qualities of every woman I've had, but there's also that stuff I don't know I even needed. I didn't know I was missing this in my life. I didn't know I want this in my life, and that's that piece that's what I'm waiting for. And you call it love, whimsical, hopeless, hopeless romantic, but... Oh, I love that. You're going to find it. I believe. I believe you will. You will. Fingers crossed, yes. Okay, so if anybody wants to follow along on your journey, how do they find you? Are we plugging something now? (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, of course. Okay. I mean, you might as well. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Everybody's going to want to know who the guy is that I sent a cringeworthy DM yeah. to. <laughs> so my name is Stuart Gill, and you can find me on Instagram at Stuart underscore E underscore Gill. Facebook. I don't know. I'm just out there. The company's Magna Carta Wealth and Evolutions app. To be honest, I really try to reply to everybody that sends me direct messages as much as possible just because I love meeting people and I love making connections. And if I can be there for somebody else, then maybe it's just what they need. So yeah, send me a message. <laughs> just don't make it cringeworthy. Just don't make it cringeworthy. Or if it's cringeworthy, I'm going to respond with... Did Aaron tell you to say that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Are you part of her? Are you part of her clique? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, Stuart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to your Such a Catch. Seriously, if you haven't seen Labor of Love, what are you waiting for? Maybe we do a watch party. Ooh, I like that idea. And if anybody out there is like a little bored and looking for something to do and they want to write Fox and nominate me for season two, I won't be mad. <laughs> you know you're rubbing off on your family during your fun employment when your mom makes a toast and says, here's hoping Aaron gets drafted onto a good dating show. <laughs> Isn't she sweet and supportive? She's combining football terminology with reality TV romance. Ah, love her. All right, guys, have a wonderful week. And don't forget, if you need more Erin in your life, you can catch me live on YouTube Thursday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Barbie and the Devil. All right, guys, love y'all. Bye.